Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. My name is Joseph Amari, and I'm an attorney at SATC Law. You can find the Bridging Chicago podcast at our website, bridgingchicago.com, and you can stream the Bridging Chicago podcast wherever you stream podcasts. Today, I'm incredibly grateful to be joined by Toriante Tolliver, founder and lead instructor of Mind Body Defense of Chicago. Toriante, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm glad to be here. Toriante, I'm so excited to talk about mind body, uh, mind body defense and the community outreach. But first, I want to talk a little bit about your background. You're from Chicago originally? Yep. Born and raised in Chicago. Uh, grew up in Lincoln Park, went out up until sixth grade, then moved out to the southwest side in Beverly up until high school. Um, went to college in Oklahoma, but ended up coming right back home. And I've been here ever since. Awesome. Awesome. And so did you, were you involved with martial arts when you were growing up? Yeah, my whole life. Like I, it's, I actually made a joke about this. I only have maybe three or four memories that when I was not involved in martial arts, like I remember <laughs> a birthday party or a toy or something. But other than that, my whole life, I started off doing Kung Fu. When Kung Fu got expensive, my mom put me in a karate program at the church. And then um, in high school, I went through Capoeira for about four years, which is awesome. Like who gets who gets an opportunity to learn Capoeira in school? And then when I went to college, that's when everything got awesome. So every summer and winter break, I'd go back in, um, in Chicago. That's where I was training in a school called Pagoda. Um, that's where I got, um, it's a system of karate, taekwondo, aikido, and we use Brazilian jiu-jitsu or judo. And mm. I got my black belt there. I got a black belt in Oklahoma at a school called Yunwaru, which does Taekwondo up to black belt. And then um, after that, when I got back home in Chicago after college, I found my old Kung Fu school and I was able to get a black sash uh, and I got to second degree black sash there. So I have a first degree black belt, a second degree black sash and a third degree black belt. And it's just been a part of my life and I'm still learning. I'm still taking private lessons, looking at instructionals, talking with people. It just doesn't end. Absolutely. Uh, I think that attitude, that lifelong student attitude can allow you to continually be enriched and, you know, find joy in that process. So when you were uh, growing up in Chicago, you said you went, you learned martial arts at your church and then an academy in Chicago. Yeah. So, um, I went to church in the southwest side. There was a there was a school. I mean, a, a Trinity United Church of Christ. They had a program, mm. just a karate program, and it was just in Robichaud Park, which was near them. And it was you're talking like a five dollar type of class, like five dollars. <laughs> yeah. So, but it was just it was fun. It was just fun. I loved it. I ended up start. I started with kung fu, but the but. It's just, I, I never got enough of it. Like, even though I may switch schools, even though different people, I always found, I always kind of like the street fighter situation. I kept finding that one rival, that one person was like, okay, mm. you and me, we're gonna, you, we're gonna try to match each other. You try to get better than me, I'm trying to get better than you. But it was that one person that always got me riled up to say, okay, this is the person I need to be better than, that kept me involved. It's, it's camaraderie and friendly competition, but I, I like being the smartest person in the room if I can. 
<laughs> Absolutely. And so would you say that those aspects are what piqued your interest in martial arts and uh, drew out the passion in it? It's weird because um, right now I'm oh God, 36. I, birthday's coming up. But uh, <laughs> Happy early Ninja, birthday. I grew up with Ninja Turtles. I remember when Power Rangers first came out. I I was like the ninja phase. I, I was there. I, it was just a part of me. I'm a little young for waking up in the morning and seeing kung fu movies all the time. So I I found <laughs> out about Bruce Lee and stuff later. Like my instructors would say Bruce Lee or my parents or adults would say Bruce Lee. I Bruce Lee wasn't like like it was Ninja Turtles. Like that's kind of empowering. That was really the people that fought around me. And that's when I had an opportunity to learn it. It was like, yeah, like, like, and the funny thing is I sucked at it. I was not good. Yeah, I had rivals, <laughs> but I wasn't, I, I, when I first started, I remember my first couple of classes, I was just messing up and I was just like, I still like it. And I, I really got good at kicking, but kicking was, I was horrible at kicking. And it's just, I just want to keep going. I just didn't stop. And I guess that's a, there's an adage, um, a black belt is just a white belt that didn't quit. And Absolutely. I guess, I guess that's kind of it. Like, now, do I say that? Am I the best person? Now? No. There's there's people that are far stronger, far more knowledgeable than I am. But I think I got out of it something that allowed me to be successful in other things. Me learning the forms helped really work my memory to the point where when I was in college and I joined a fraternity, Phi Beta Sigma. And I was on a step team. It was no different than a form. It was like, oh, I can remember these steps. It's just form. It's just choreo. I can do this. Or when I learn other arts, it's like, hey, I learned capoeira in high school. So when I'm looking at jujitsu, the way they move on the ground, it's very easy. Since I have capoeira, I can definitely move. I can do these cartwheel passes. I can, I can knee cut and slide and get low. All of that made so much more sense because of stuff that I've done. So. Every other thing that I've done, I can almost always bring back to martial arts. Absolutely. I think, I think exercise is an incredible way to learn discipline through, you know, sport, you know, you learn consistency. And like you said, the only way to get better is through repetition. It's, you can't walk into a martial arts studio and be ready to perform advanced technique until you've gone through the basics. And like, when you apply those aspects to other areas of your life, you can use it as a building block to steps in the direction of success that you're trying to go so oh go ahead the part that gets me is the people that can the people that walk in with a high level of just talent they're good when they start but the second they run into some difficulty that's when they crumble and quit and think that oh something something else is going on the people that Mm -hmm. walk in without talent but they have potential they just keep working they're asking the right questions they're putting in the time when they hit that tough spot, they're able to better work through it. Um, I actually was somebody who came in with without a lot of talent. And that's where I think was the best thing for me. Sucking at it and, and growing was good. <laughs> but I'm no, normally I'm the kid who, I don't study in class. I still have bad note-taking skills. I have no note-taking skills. I just, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just natural. So to find something that I really wasn't natural in, but still enjoyed and stuck with, I think that's been a key that I've never, probably until this podcast, actually understood that I wasn't mm. that good. And now 
I'm a natural where I go into other arts and systems. It's like, oh, I get it. And other people are like, how do you, it just makes sense to me now. But I, I did it. I would not have been that person when I first started. Absolutely. So let's go back a little bit. Let's, uh, so you're coming back to you know, Chicago from Oklahoma. What was the, the path that took you from you know, uh, college graduate to forming your own studio? Um, I originally was a high school English teacher. So I come from a long line of teachers. Um, my mom's a teacher, grandmother, grandfather teachers. But um, I, and I was just going to, that was my path. I, I, I've always wanted to be a teacher. It's just like a church school. I, I, I was teaching church school. And honestly, I was, I was thinking about even being a minister at one point. The idea was teaching is just who I am. If I learn something, I want to share it with people. Well, what happened is I was in CPS for three years and the alternative school for three years. And it's teaching, it's rough. It's rough. And, and when people are talking about hey, teachers, you know, that's a, that's a rough man. I'm telling you. The job that you want to do is to teach, but there's so much more involved that I was, even though I was involved in teaching, I've seen teachers, actually experiencing it is completely different. So being a motivator for the students, having people who you're supposed to support that may not want your support, or people who are asking for your support and you don't know how to do it, those types of moments are really really critical in helping change who you are, shaping who you are. I worked my butt off to try to be a good teacher. I tried to learn as much as I could, but I kept I kept putting more energy in than I was actually getting back, which led me to burnout. That's what really mm-hmm. happened. And near the end of my teaching career, um, I was looking for martial arts place to to train at and I had to had to go I had to get like a jiu-jitsu gym. I need a place with karate. I need some place with self-defense. I need to have two or three memberships just to make it work because I was I didn't have they didn't have a one-stop shop, a place that really had everything for me, or at least nearby. Um, then then I was thinking, okay, maybe I'll try to teach at a place. You know, I if they have enough of what I want, then I can just teach the rest. Like I'll teach the self-defense, I'll teach something else. And they already had their culture set. So me coming into someone else's culture, I didn't feel like I could really be myself. And my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, got me to start my own class in a yoga studio. And I oh, mind wow. you, at the time, I had three black belts, and I didn't think I could do it. I was like, no, I can't. Like, no. I've started some programs before, but it's just, no, I, I just didn't think I could do it because what was happening is I wasn't teaching karate or taekwondo or kung fu. I was doing something different. And that's kind of what happened. I ended up creating a style of kickboxing that's different than what I've learned. So I learned traditional martial arts. I modified it to use uh, boxing pad work, kickboxing pad work. And that became my style of kickboxing. So you're, it's, it's, I'm doing something that I was never taught in that sense. Like I'm taught a different way. So it was, it was daunting and scary, but those classes were the thing that I look forward to every week. I, that even if I had a rough class teaching that class in that yoga studio, I was still glad I did it. So my, my wife, well, eventually my wife, it's easier to say it that way. Um, she pretty much just said, just, just, you know, do it. 
this kill your own cow stop teaching and and make your own school you're more happy that way you're you're excited it has the same energy and she was right and if, mm-hmm. I mean, if when you have the right person around you when you know that that you have someone around you who's right you need to listen to them there's so many people in my life that i didn't realize were like yeah they're right you're right you're right they start listening to that person and once i started listening to her almost all of my issues really start going away <laughs> absolutely and so where is the studio located so we're in Chicago. We're in the Buena Park area. That's in between Lakeview and Uptown. Our address is 4143 North Broadway. Okay. And so when someone walks into your studio, what can they expect upon their initial visit? Hmm. There's outside of the protocol of like, it's a small space. We're only 640 square feet. But there's three things that happen with us. Like no matter what, you're safe. We are trying our best to make sure that you you leave the way you came or better, period, 100%. The second thing is you're supported. We have a, we, our niche is partner drills. So in traditional martial arts, typically you have a group of people doing the same thing at the same time. But in our classes, you're almost always paired up with a partner and you have someone there who's your feedback, your mirror, they're talking to you, you're talking to them. So at no point will you ever feel alone. And at no point do you really feel like all everyone's judging you because everyone else is too busy with their partner. So you have support, but you're also, you're not getting all the attention, but you're also not ignored either. That's just how it is. And the last thing is you're successful. That's the reason you've always heard me call it like a school. I don't say it's a gym. I don't say it's it's a school. You're learning techniques. You're learning combinations. You're learning how your body moves. And in the martial arts vein, you're learning how to uh, uh, be assertive, to stand up for yourself, to say, hey, I need you to hold the mid tire or oh, you're going too fast. Those are things that when people talk about um, martial arts teaching you discipline and self-control, they, they generally think about it as a, ca- a child as like, hey, I say you do. You, you follow mm-hmm. instructions. But in my class, when I talk about discipline and self-control, you tell your body what to do and your body complies. When you are talking to someone, you're asking for what you need. And we're, we have a community where people want to give it to you. And if you're not the kind of person who wants to work with a partner or you're not the kind of person who wants to support someone else, you may not be a good fit for us, but that's still okay. We're not we're not hating you because of that. We just want you to be get the best thing possible. So I've literally had some people who just I just want to do my thing, sweat and leave. I think I know a better place that will better support that. But there's no doubt that the people that come up to that work with us learn. There's no doubt that they grow both physically and mentally. And that's why I'm so proud of it. I'm I'm in awe of that. Absolutely. So I, and it sounds serious. like you have a very holistic approach to it. It sounds like you're focusing on the martial art, but also on the person. And I think that probably the combination of two allows you to hit a, hit a deeper place with people. Have you found that to be your experience? Yeah. Um, the original reason I wanted to be a teacher, I think I can remember my first thought. There was... 
what happens when there's someone like me in the class? I'm someone who's mm. relatively good, natural. I can figure things out on my own. But if you don't challenge me, believe me, I will do as little as possible. I want to be the <laughs> smartest person in there, but I'm not trying to do any work. So what? Ha how I needed someone who can motivate me. I had that one great teacher in high school who was that like I grew up in a single parent home. That was the person who was like, "Oh, that's your father figure." Like, like when people were talking, like, "There's a teacher's pet." Like, I was the teacher's pet. Like that person mm -hmm. was God to me. But um, that person passed away while I was still in school, and I, mm -hmm. you know, I saw what happened to me afterwards. Not having a real role model, not having someone that I knew to follow, or someone who was just like, "Hey, man, you can do better than that." Like, really, people may think that, but they don't—they don't know how to really be there for you. I wanted to make sure that there's someone in my classroom, even even when I was when I was struggling as a teacher or when I was highly successful as a teacher, there's someone in my classroom who needs it tailored for them. And I know I can be that person. That's where it all started. I did not I didn't understand the word empowerment until my wife kind of told me that that's what my school is is really promoting. Like mm. I just thought I was trying to help people and support them, but she was just like, "No." Everyone kept saying, "This place is empowering. This place is empowering." And it was like, like I, I didn't, I just didn't understand the concept of that word. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned motivation. I think, how would you define motivation? Where do you think that people find it? Is it something that's been inside? Is it something that has to be intrinsic, or is it something that you can? start to find through uh, happenstance and, you know, opportunity presenting itself. I think you're, you're, you're hitting nail on the head accidentally. It's actually all of those. So there are people who you, there's people who I have to say a drill and I don't, and I don't have to look at them again. I know they're going, they're, they're just doing it. They're, they're, they're just driven. Then there's people who need a reason for it. And you've got to mm. have that reason for them. And it's not just because I said it, it's like, Hey, you need to understand the concept behind it. And there's other people who, even if they know what I'm supposed to do, they know what, how to do it, they know why to do it, they still may not feel it. But the idea is like, hey, but there's also another person here. So even if you don't want to do it for yourself, you still want to be a good partner for them or help them. Yeah, that's you're finding those reasons to connect. And I think mm. that that's... That was the issue that I originally saw with teaching in general, not personally through me, but in other teachers. They could teach the group, but they had difficulty with certain individuals. I teach the individuals in a way that they are all in the group. When you're in my classes, it feels like you're getting a private lesson even in a group. Mm. It just, that's, I'm there. When you have the question, that's when I, you need me. When you're already doing it and you're doing it well, that's when you need me to push you. But there's that moment in between where you're working. You don't need the support. You don't need the you don't need the protection to help you be successful. You don't need the support to go to the next level. I need to leave you alone. I need mm -hmm. you to do that on your own. And that's something that I've learned and how to navigate that course. It's a crazy course um, in, in creating instructors. It's been something that I find, hey, this is what you're looking for and why you're looking for it. You're looking to support the 
people who you keep everyone safe. That just means no one's hurting each other. You're mm. you're making sure that people know what they're doing, so everyone's getting the down. But then you're going to see that person who already knows it. This is what you can do to add to support them. So you're hitting the lower level, the middle level, and the advanced at the same time with the same drill. A lot of teachers can't do that. They have to do uh, this for advanced. Everyone advanced has to do it this way. For beginners, mm. everyone here no i found that you may have a third grader that does sixth grade math leave that person with sixth grade math don't bring them down <laughs> grade you may have someone who will never never be able to write that five paragraph essay five <laughs> they can work on it they may get better and better but they may never actually get it that's okay but that doesn't mean you need to stop them from learning the other stuff that's above the bi-paragraph essay in other arts or in other other subjects. That's mm. how I approach teaching. Absolutely. I think that I think that there are such a, a wide range of aptitudes. And I think that your approach, it probably allows you to see a lot of different sides of individuals because it's it's easy to put people into categories like you're saying, you know, intermediate, advanced, beginner, but you know, that in between area is probably where a lot of the growth happens when they're starting to become intermediate, when they're starting to become advanced and seeing that transition and working with them individually to allow their skill sets to progress. I'm sure that's been pretty rewarding for you. It's incredible. And it also goes back to where self defense has been an amazing thing for me to teach. Um, when I originally started doing martial arts I didn't understand self-defense. I thought I did. I had the techniques. I know this is what you're supposed to do. If someone grabs you, someone slings at you, blah, blah. But mm. it wasn't until like that moment where someone asked me, hey, how do you get out of this hole? And you realize, oh, oh, this is for real. Like, so you, this is someone's actually going to do this to you. What I say matters. You need to be able to do it and you need to be able to be to be confident enough to do it because I can show you the move. I can tell you the move, but if you don't think you can do it, you're not going to do it. And then self-defense got real when I realized, like, uh, here's an example. If someone's choking you on the bed, how to get out of it. That's actually an easy technique. It's actually easy and simple. It's not really crazy difficult. But once you do that technique, that person's still in the room with you. That's where self-defense mm. got real for me. That's when it's like, oh, Absolutely. shoot, they're in the um, this is, this is not just over and, and that kind of realization that I'm not going to be there with them. I'm not going to be in a corner. Hey, they need to be independent and strong. Well, when we go back to the idea of people who are advanced and not, they're people who feel that they are beginners and know nothing, but have advanced skills oozing all around them they are physically stronger they 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 move so well but they just don't know it and they just don't believe it self-defense mm. helps really in, like open up your eyes so you can really see that or the other way that person i love doing self-defense groups where um it's very stereotypical i'm just going to do it a lot of women and that one guy, the stronger guy, just bigger guy, who's just like I got. I love watching showing a move and just like here, grab her and and watching them struggle and they're just and the woman's getting out and he's just like like uh, uh, 
let's do it again. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. And it's <laughs> yes, that moment where you think that I'm, I can handle myself and you realize maybe I can't. Maybe mm. I don't. I, I don't really know. And those two things colliding. Um, my uh, one of my karate teachers said this. There's a lot of collisions where uh, theory and reality eat, I mean, meet. Like there's a lot of accidents there. I think mm. that people who um, people who have a high level of confidence but low competence, that's where disaster happens. People that right. have a high level of competence but no confidence, that's where inaction happens. My goal is to help bridge those two things together. You need to be, you need to have something that actually works and you need to actually be able to work it and, and actually do it because you can do the right thing, but not the right way. And it's not going to work. Absolutely. I think that's so on point. I've always thought that there's, there's aptitude and attitude. And I think if you're yeah. lacking one, you know, it's, it's tough, but if you're la if you have aptitude, but you don't have the attitude, you're not going to see the same successes. If you have that right mix of both where you not only are able to do it, but you believe you can do it and you're willing to put in the work to see it improve. That's where the success happens. And like you said, where, where someone's confident, but they don't have the competence that can be tough because they, you know, think they have it, but they haven't gone through the process to actually truly learn it. You do that, but you, and here's my, here's my secret sauce. If I'm just throwing it away, keep your individuality. So, mm. um, you're a lawyer, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Think of all the other lawyers at your firm or if, if you are, or, or at other firms, all of you same, you have the same objective. You have to do the same job, but you do it in different ways. The way that you mm -hmm. may talk to a client, talk to a judge if you're talking about litigation, the way you talk to yourself is different, but you still have to get your get your point across. You still have to have effective arguments. You still have you can do things in different ways, but still be effective. The key when it comes to self-defense is effective first. And effective your way of arguing, your way of putting things together, outlining may be something that a colleague of yours is like, I can't do it that way. Like I need to do mm. it. This is my process. But regardless, you all have to get the same answers. That's what I'm talking about when it comes to self-defense. There may be someone who can't do this technique. They cannot, they can't use that wit. They're just not witty. They're not quick and clever. They can't, they don't, they can't raise their voice or they're just not, um, moving around they can't type fast they are literally slow typers so they have to do things a different way but they still have mm. to get the same answers. that's what i want i want people to keep your individuality you have a specific physique a level of aggression and skill that you start with yes you can improve or grow or develop that's possible but you have some things that are very uniquely yours use those and use what works now if i mm -hmm. can't teach it in five minutes i don't teach it for the most part when it comes to self-defense because again self-defense if, if, if it takes longer than five minutes it's not, you're not going to be able to do it anyway so you need right. to learn it pretty quickly almost every skill i i teach for the most part is two to three minute techniques the some of the jujitsu the grappling takes some it takes five minutes but it just takes five minutes to get them doing it. 
once that's all done, then it's just, then they're, they, they have it and they're putting that time to make it themselves. So that's where my kickboxing and my self-defense kind of mirror each other and work. People who are learned, are trying to figure out, like, I don't know what I can do. They start with kickboxing. And then when they get stronger, then those questions come up like, yeah, I'm defending myself. Like, I'm not really. You're putting on hand wraps and gloves to hit foam. I don't think you're ready yet. <laughs> like, that's a different, <laughs> another thing. But also the same way where people learn self-defense first. Hey, I have a problem. I need an answer to it. Great. But then they, they, once they get that confidence and realize like, I can do more, yes, I am strong. Now they, in, they, they, they sometimes enjoy the release that you get from hitting something. Mm-hmm. Running is awesome. Cycling is awesome. Lifting weights is you get to do so many different activities, but there's nothing really like a release that comes from a punch, a kick, Well, that releasing of stuff is something that you really don't get anywhere else. Yeah, you can slam ball you want, but slamming a purse is so different. You can can throw something as hard as you want, but when you throw a punch and you feel that boom and and you feel it come out, that release is something different. And helping people navigate that, navigating both the physical and, and emotional stuff with that, that's my specialty. I really am. I, I, I get. I get people in a point where they are really understanding who they are and where they want to go. And it's kind of like being a counselor, or therapist without being a counselor, or therapist. But I still try mm-hmm. to stay up for some things. Hey, listen. If you want to talk about anxiety and dealing with doubts and stuff, that's where you go to a counselor, or therapist. But if there's a situation where you're feeling threatened and you need to be able to say something, I I can tell you what to say. I can help you figure out how to say it and using your voice and your actions to make sure that you feel comfortable saying it. That's where my niche is. I've always felt that my friends that were involved with martial arts, they had like sort of an inner confidence that I think goes to what you're talking about. It's like a a sense of self that like I, I have this competence in defending myself and I've seen it, it, it metastasize in this way where they're very calm. It's this calm presence that, you know, I know self-defense, I'm secure in myself, and then I act accordingly. And I've seen that benefit through uh, so many people that are involved in it. And I see the, you know, feeling that they have that I, I imagine that it's, it's a skill that everyone would benefit from learning. Yeah, it's one of those moments where um, you take a Muay Thai fighter, you've been hit. You know what hits feel like. When someone's talking and yelling at you, you've already experienced the hit. You understand the hit. You 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 felt the pressure of that, and you can handle it. But you don't have to go there now because you already know it. You're not afraid of that area. You don't want to do it, but you're not afraid of it. So now when mm-hmm. you say, hey, listen, we don't want to, listen, stop talking to me. Listen, please, please. Let's do great. You need to back off. Those moments when you're speaking, it comes across differently versus, hey, hey, look, you don't have to do this. That feels different. It really, it really, right. you, need to, you need to back off. That's not the same. So when you've been in arguments, when you, okay, I've been on uh, academic teams, I've been on trivia bowls. So I understand standing answers, buzzing in before you actually understand. 
raising your like I have that quick things are put, putting things together on the fly instantly. That's part of my training. I when it comes to public speaking, I'm not nervous. Um, mm. I know I my whole time of just putting and connecting things. I know this. This is what I do. So I don't have that same fear when cameras are on, when a microphone's on, and you only get one shot. That's that's cool for me. But I, I only have that because of skills. The skills mm -hmm. help breed the confidence. If you were to, for our listeners that are thinking about taking self-defense classes, what would you what would you tell them if they're considering? Um, yes, of course, I would love for you to come to my classes, but. <laughs> but I want you to understand this. I have three rules. Um, the first one for my school, the first one is ask as many questions as you can. If you're at a place that is not about learning, then it's not a martial arts school. If you can't ask questions, if you can't, if you have issues or something's wrong and you don't get those answers, that's not a good place. The second one, my rule is take as many breaks as you, as you need. Um, again, if this is a place that's, that's, Hey, you just got to be tough. It's all in tough, tough, tough. If you can never step back or there's no boundaries, that's also a problem. Bad schools that I've attended is where you want to stop and you get bullied. And that's mm -hmm. not a good environment because even though you may get the skills, the other, the physical skills, the other stuff is going to hurt you. You're going to be, you're going to feel less confident. You're not going to. It's going to hurt you somewhere else. There's a price. And the last one I have is never give up, but that's only after rules one and two. So when you start something, it's weird. Of course it's weird. It's new. But give yourself a decent amount of time. Now, again, if it's unsafe, if you're not getting supported, if you're finding boundaries and things wrong, no, that's not worth it. But if you had one class and you just said, like, oh, I just don't know what I'm doing. Well, of course, it's one class. If you've been there two weeks, well, yes, it's two weeks. It's hard to learn how to move your body again. So that's what I would go specifically for kickboxing first. For self-defense, I would, I do the, I call it my trauma test. The idea is if someone's never had an experience with self-defense, they should not be traumatized after going into your class. If someone has already experienced a trauma or had a traumatic event, they should not be re-traumatized by attending your class or in the middle of your class. Right. The idea is you're not inducing the pressure to fight. You're not fighting. You're not going through self-defense. Yes, you are learning something that could, like CPR. Yes, you are learning something that could save someone's life. But in training right now, this is not the live action. This is not your test. Right now, you're learning the skills. So you should not feel as if your life and, and everything's in peril every single moment of training. I think that's dangerous. That is my opinion. I know other schools feel, hey, you need that pressure. Other schools differ, but I think from that's the way you would really like to make self-defense more accessible. Absolutely. Well, Toriante, it's been amazing talking to you. I've learned so much about martial arts in your school, and I hope our listeners get a chance to come by your studio. I know I want to come by your school, and um, you know, I want to say thank you to our listeners for tuning into this episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. You can find us on our socials, Twitter and Instagram, where our handle is at Bridging Chicago, on our LinkedIn by searching Bridging Chicago, 
or by going to bridgingchicago.com. We'll see you again soon. And Toriante, do you have any socials that you can leave for our listeners? Yes, uh, you can tell I'm old because I have Mind Body uh, Defense uh, one on Facebook. I have at Mind Body Defense on Instagram. Our website is mindbodydefensechicago.com. And if you want to know any of our mental skills, I actually wrote a book called Everyday Self-Defense. It's, it's available on Amazon, so you can get a physical copy. You can download it on Kindle. And if you happen to be in Chicago, I have no problems autographing a copy. Oh, well, that's absolutely wonderful. And thank you again. This has been amazing. And to our listeners, we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago, as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solutions Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including, but not limited to, or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding. 